Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. We are in a series called, I, I, I never remember, is it Digging Deep or Digging Wells? But Digging Deep Wells, there you go. We'll just combine it all in one. And God put something in my heart when I came across the scripture in Genesis 26 that said that um, Isaac had redug the wells that his father Abraham had dug because the Philistines, which is a type of the world, filled them in after the death of Abraham. So the picture basically is Abraham had dug some wells for not just his family, but all the lineage down. And actually there's wells that are still active today that Abraham dug. After his death, the enemy came in because they somehow could not seem to do anything to the wells because Abraham protected them so strongly. So they thought, well, when this guy's gone, this generation has moved on, then the next generation, maybe they won't be as interested, maybe they won't care as much, maybe they won't be so concerned about protecting the well. So they took advantage and tried to dump them all, dump dirt in there and kind of fill them up. And so, but Isaac came and redug those. So that's basically what we're doing. We're looking at, in the scripture, some just key wells in our life, whether they have been created by our spiritual heritage or by our natural heritage, that we need to take time and revisit from time to time and make sure that we've just cleared out some of the debris, if you will, some of the ideas and thoughts of the world that can happen over time. And so we need to revisit them and make sure that they're clean and cleared out and not get used to drinking muddy, dirty water. Amen? Not let the world come in and compromise those things for us. So we're doing that. We, we covered a couple topics just real quick. Uh, we did the Holy Spirit uh, for two, two Sundays. We, we even we tackled the topic of tongues, which is a great one. Uh, we jumped in the Lord's Table Communion, a great reminder for us what it really means. And then last week, we jumped into this topic for two weeks of it. Uh, prosperity and getting God's picture on it because it has such a bad taste in the mouth of people because of a lot of people abusing it or not understanding it. And so we're going to keep on that one today. In fact, that I'm going to be talking about tithing today. And so just so you know, the doors are already been locked. And uh, so you cannot leave. And, and uh, it's just funny to me. It's like, Lord, it's the fall. And I really want to go with another direction. And he dropped it on my heart. I'm like, but Tithing and tongues, those are the two biggest ones that people have a pushback on because that's why I want you to teach it. And I just thought, hey, instead of fighting it, come on, we're going for it. So tongues and tithing, TNT, baby. Are you ready for it today? That's it. Let's do it. And the reason why those are so difficult is because they're so important for you. Why the enemy just tries to muddy the water so much. It's because God wants you empowered by the person and power of the Holy Spirit to live a powerful life, amen, instead of a powerless life. And then he also wants to be your provider. He wants you to trust him and operate in faith and obedience. So you trust him and he wants to be your provider too. So if the enemy cannot keep you from getting saved, he does not want you walking in the power of God or the provision of God. And so for, I just, just want to throw this out there. So if these two topics, and we've already done the, the Holy Spirit one, if these two topics you feel like you just kind of cringe a little bit and you're kind of uncomfortable with it, can I tell you, then it's exactly what you need to hear. Because the word should never make us uncomfortable. It's the word. It's the word of God. The word of God should never make us feel uncomfortable. And if it, do, if it does, and it's a, then there's something that's going on inside of us that we need to confront or, or challenge. And, I, and again, as I always say, I just want to present the word to you and then you make a decision. But as for me and my house, we have been tithers our whole life. And this is an important pe- message, not from the standpoint of the church needs something. I'll talk about that in a minute. But really, you need to follow the plan and purpose of God. And so it is for your benefit, just to be quite honest with you. And God set a system up that works for everybody. And anytime God does something, it's a win-win for us. Amen? And so we're going to jump in in there this morning. And so I just want to start by saying this. Uh, Really, what you'll see is we're going to test 
the water of our well today in tithing. I don't know how else to say it other than we're gonna, right? I mean, I, I, we, we bought a home, it's an older home, it has a pool there and it's like chlorine and stuff. And, and so sometimes we gotta get out there and test it and see if it's like good or if like other things have gotten in there. And today I just, I wanna tell you that God created tithing. One of the reasons he created it is a test for your heart. So the Bible says we'll talk about it. You need to test the water some, sometimes because sometimes we think everything's good or maybe it looks good, but when you get in there in that moment, you've got to take a test. And God created a way, a test in the scripture that we can see where our heart is because the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. It doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure will follow. It says where you put your treasure, your heart will follow. And we know this about God. God always wants to be first, number one. God's number one. He is not number two or anything else. And so it's important for you and I to put him number one because God is a God of order, and when things are in the right order, things work better. It's not that there's not going to be challenges or opposition. There always will be, but when things are in the right order, you have the ability to overcome those with God's help. And so we're going to take a look at that this morning. That Let me start by asking this, because every time you get paid, if you will, you are tested. Your heart is tested according to God and the Word. How many of you get paid once a month? You just get paid once a month, that's it, one time a month. Yeah, I see some tears rolling down our cheeks. God bless you in that once a month. And how many get paid every other week or the 15th and the end of the month, right? So a lot of people there. How many once a week get paid once a week? Okay, a lot. How many people don't get paid at all, right? Okay, all right. How many people are underpaid? No, I'm just kidding. No, not good. If I see any hands up from the staff, you'll go to the not paid at all group, right? I'm just telling you that right now. So every time we have a moment that we have increase in our life, then our heart is tested, the Bible says. And it's important, again, because we can think that we're good on things until we really see uh, where we're at with the test. It's important uh, for us to see that. So um, I want to tell you what the test is, is really God's test is allowing us to see whom are we going to thank or acknowledge or honor or worship for your income or your increase. I mean, that's really what it is. When you get increased, who are you going to thank or honor for that. Another way to say it is who are you going to worship with that? So you're able to test by where you give the first 10%, where the first 10% goes, that's the test. What you do with your first 10% of your increase or income, who are you going to thank? Now notice I said the first 10%. We don't have time today. Normally when I do this topic, I do a series four to six weeks. I do it about every other year. I'll do a big series on it, but I'll, I'll have some things that I feel God puts in my heart at different times. So I only have today to talk about this, but we're going to talk briefly about the first fruits. Where does it go first? First fruits, firstborn, the principle of first you see in scripture. So who are you thanking first when you receive increase is basically what God's asking us when we get the tithe. And let me say this, the tithe really is the first 10% because it doesn't take faith to give leftover 10%, right? And let me just say this, and I don't mean this ugly, and the wording here is going to be a little strong in the scripture. I always try and make it soft and smooth, and I ask God, how can I kind of smooth some of this out, make it not so hard? And he says, you can't. <laughs> I said, okay. And so I just say, well, you can take it up with the author. Um, but the whole idea here is that that first 10%, God is not second on your list or anywhere else. And so that first 10% is really what requires faith from you right? He's not your goodwill, not you just give what you have left over, you don't want any more if you have something left. He wants your first, because understand the principle is back in the day when they were giving first fruits or firstborn, if you gave a firstborn animal, you didn't know if there was going to be any more. And so the, the tendency would be, I'm going to hang on to this one. Let me get three, four, five, or six. Let me get seven, eight, whatever animals, and we'll look. And, and, it's not, and then we want to give them that one animal that won't stay out of the garden, right? Get out. You just like, okay, take him to sacrifice him, right? It's like what it is. Or, or the one that's got the limp or, or something that's not right, right? We just, and God says, man, I want your first and I want your best. 
And he's going to give us a test to see where our heart is, willingness to do that, and the faith that it takes to step out there every time we get paid. And so, uh, now this, this principle, the first, is not just financial, really. I mean, it's God's order, right? He wants to be first in your life, amen? He wants to be first in your family. He wants to be first in your marriage. Come on, somebody. He wants to be first with your kids. He wants to be the first part of your day. He wants to be the first part of the week. He wants to be the first part of the year. It's a, it's a principle that the first redeems the rest. So understand when we talk about tithing and giving, we're taking that test. Who are we going to thank first? And when we follow that, it redeems the rest. And so we'll get to that in just a moment. And so um, God not only has, you know why he needs to be first? It's because he has the ability to bless you. Uh, let me say it this way. MBU shouldn't be first. MBU doesn't have the ability to bless my finances, right? Visa shouldn't be first. It doesn't have the ability to bless my finances. God should be first because he has the ability to bless me. He has the ability to heal me, deliver me. Come on, somebody. He saved me. He rescued me. He should be first. And that's what he's saying here. It's like, who are you honoring? Who are you acknowledging? And God says, I want that to be me. So let's look at, we're going to look at a lot of scripture and I want you to um, get the live notes, get the app, get the live notes to follow along or just write some quick references down and go back and listen to it. But I want to give a lot of scripture because I want you to see it in the word, take the word for it, not my word for it. Most famous passage concerning this, Malachi 3, 6 through 12. Let's start reading there. Malachi 3, 6 through 12 says this, for I am the Lord. And this is the prophet Malachi, God speaking through him. He's the voice of the Lord. So God's saying right now, this is me speaking this is not a concept that has been um, created by man or the late night TV preacher. This is me. God's saying, this is me. I, I, I establish this. For I am the Lord. And he says, no, just so you know, I do not change. It's interesting that God's addressing perhaps one of the most controversial topics or whatever in scripture, which has become that anyways, uh, saying that number one, this is mine. I created it. And number two, and I don't change. I know your economy changes, I know your culture changes, I know generations change, I know governments change, I know stock market changes, I know your job changes. He goes, but I do not. I do not change, he says. Therefore, you are not consumed. And basically he's saying, so be glad I haven't killed you yet. <laughs> because you change all the time. That's what he's saying. He goes, I haven't changed, that's why you're still on the planet. Oh, sons of Jacob, verse seven, yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances. Hold on to that word for just a second. You've gone away from my, God speaking, ordinance. The God who does not change his ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I return to you, says the Lord of hosts. In case you've already forgotten who's talking here, but you said, in what way shall we return or how have we gotten away from your ordinances? Now let me give you what ordinance means. The definition of ordinance is a principle of ordinary behavior. So God says, I don't change but you've changed or you've gotten away from my principles of ordinary behavior. You're not following those anymore. I, I'm still who I am, but you've changed and you've gotten away from my principles of ordinary behavior. This is a God who changes not, and he says, you've gotten away from my principles of ordinary behavior for my children that I've established for them. And so, um, it goes on to say this, look on verse eight, let me keep going. And so we're asking, what do you mean? What principle of ordinary behavior? He says this, and here's where I'm talking about the word, and God's really strong. What he's saying here, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed, you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God says in, in tithes and offerings. And so they're wondering, what principle of ordinary behavior have we walked away from God? And he tells them, in tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, it says, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. He goes, you're not returning back unto me the portion that is mine. 
In essence, he says, you're keeping what's mine. That's what he's saying. I mean, again, this is God's wording, not my wording. I mean, again, I was like, how can I smooth this? I don't want to be land hard, but I want you to hear the truth. And so God's saying, because you've gotten away from my principle of ordinary behavior, you're withholding things from me that are mine, and because of that, you're not getting blessed the way I want you to get blessed. And he uses a strong word, he says, and you've been cursed with a curse. And let me say something right here. God doesn't curse us, it's not what he's saying. God doesn't put a curse on us to which we would say, well, we're not cursed because Jesus died on the cross for the curse and he became what he became for the curse. And so as a Christian, I'm, I'm not under the curse. And I would say, you're right through your salvation, but there are consequences to your actions. Consequences to the things you do and the things that you do not do. And so let me go on and I'll explain that in just a second. It goes on to this, it says, so bring all the tithes into the storehouse, storehouse meaning your source, your, where, you're, where you're fed, your church, your storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Back then it was more physical, now it's more spiritual. And try me now in this. This is actually a two-way test. He's testing our hearts through this principle and we get to test him. That's what he says. Says the Lord of hosts, if I want to open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing, there'll be not room enough to receive it. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Again, in case you keep forgetting, he's reminding, this is me speaking, he's saying, not a preacher. And all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land. A land. Uh, this is the God who cannot change. Reminding his people about an, a principle of ordinary behavior who have changed. And he says, because of that, you have put yourself under a curse. I'll explain that in a moment. But understand, tithing is an ordinary principle of behavior for God's children to thank God for their income, for their harvest, and for their increase. It's an ordinary principle of behavior for God's children. He set it up that way. And he said, you've gotten away from this. Because of your behavior, you're under a curse now. Now, again, we're not talking about God cursing you. This is talking about the behavior that you're doing that you're positioning yourself not under the blessing of God. And what's the opposite of blessing? Okay, so you're not positioning yourself under the blessing of God. Therefore, you're positioning yourself under the cursing of this world. You realize that this fallen world has been cursed and therefore Jesus, God's firstborn, first fruit, God's tithe, if you will, the Bible describes it, was sent to the earth as a sacrifice to die so he could redeem mankind from the curse through their salvation. But everything else in this world needs to be redeemed. And it's the principle of the first returned back unto God that breaks the curse off of those things. And I hope you're understanding this. We'll explain it a little bit more. And so he says, when you return that first portion back unto me, that's set apart, that's mine, it redeems the rest. That's how the 90% with the blessing of God can go farther than the 100% without it because it's been redeemed or the curse has been broken and the devourer has been rebuked. And so he says, therefore, then you can walk in what I have for you to walk in. Let me illustrate it this way. I was thinking about this the other day and I thought about this is the way to illustrate it. Let me, let me talk about this, your positioning. And I know it's like, oh, he's opened an umbrella in the, in the church, but we've already said that the curse has been broken, right? That's just like, hey, later in the message, I'm gonna walk under a ladder. No big deal. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hey, but you won't see a black cat because they're evil. I'm just saying that cats are just cats. Anyways, I won't go on there again. And please don't send me any more emails or cat memes. It's okay, right? I'm just, uh, so it's, it's like God's saying, if you return that first percent back into me, which is a principle of ordinary behavior, then you stand under an open window of blessing and I rebuke the devourer for your sake. If you do not, 
you're out from under that. That's your choice. Because we all walk around with an umbrella, which perhaps would represent provision, resource. We all walk around with resource in our hand, but what are you going to do with it? God says, my principle of ordinary behavior is for you to return that 10%. It breaks the curse off of your finances. It redeems the rest and positions you under an outpouring of my blessing. You are under my blessing. I'm rebuking the devourer for your sake. He says, if you do not do it, you have positioned yourself under this cursed world. And the curse, basically operating under the curse is a consequence to the choice that you made. And we understand that, that God's not cursing us and that we are... um, redeemed in salvation, but everything else in this fallen, broken world needs to be redeemed. And so he says, that's how you redeem that. That's why the tithe is so important. It redeems the rest. The 90 blessed, the 90 redeemed, the 90 with the curse broken off it will go farther than the 100 without it. And there's consequences to our choices. So a curse is a consequence. And our spirits have been redeemed by Jesus, who is the firstborn, the first root of God, if you will, And so everything else, however, needs to be. So every time you receive increase, it needs to be redeemed. And so he says, 10%, return that portion back to me. We'll get to why he said that. And and if it's not, it's not that God's going to do something to you. It's that he's not going to do something for you. So he won't open the window of heaven and he won't rebuke the devourer for your sake. So that's what he says right there in the scripture. And God says, uh, the Lord owns it all and gives us stewardship or the ability to manage it, makes us managers, he reserves 10% for himself, and God says he has set apart the tithe, 10% for the house of God, so don't keep it. He's like saying, he's basically saying when he says, he says, right, don't keep what's mine, basically is what he's telling you. All of it's his, but he's saying don't keep a portion that I'm asking you to return back. And so again, I know those are strong words, and um, there's not a way to say it, truth is truth, amen, so I want you to hear the truth of God's word. And because he says it this way, because he does, he wants you to know how serious this is. He doesn't want you under a curse. He doesn't want you to live that way. He doesn't want you to put yourself there. He wants to open the window of heaven and bless you. He wants to rebuke the devourer for your sake, but he wants you to acknowledge him first. He wants you to honor him. He wants you to thank him. He wants you to worship him with your increase. And so God says it this way for your good, but sometimes man says it that way for their good. And they'll manipulate it and use it that way. And I wish that wasn't true, but unfortunately that it is that way. So, but that's not the case here. And I want you to know that. That's not what we're about. That's not what this church is about, trying to manipulate or guilt or whatever to get you to get. This is what God is saying in his word. So don't go away from God's ordinary principle of behavior. So understand a couple of things. Tithing is a test. Number one, tithing is a test. God is testing our heart and we need it. We may think things are going good and everything's great and all of a sudden here comes this test to really reveal where you're at and you need to know where you're at so you're not under the curse. You need to know all of a sudden all these things are, why is all this going on in my life and stuff and why is this happening? And maybe it's because that you have neglected an ordinary, a principle of ordinary behavior. But he gives us the ability to see where we're at to make an adjustment so we can position ourselves up under his blessing and so he can rebuke the devourer for our sake. So I'd like to say it this way, God gives us a chance to see our heart by testing it in this way. Now understand in the scripture, the Bible talks about how important giving is. There are more scriptures on the topic of giving than the major themes in the Bible. There's more scriptures on giving than there is on love, more scriptures on giving than there is on heaven, more scriptures on giving than there is on faith, more on giving than there is on prayer. In fact, you can add most all those up and still not reach the numbers of talk about giving, of scriptures talk about giving. And then he also says that you're not to serve both two masters, he says, there's only two things that you're going to have the, opportunity, or have the um, desire to serve, if you will, 
or be pulled into serving. One's either God, you cannot serve God and mammon. So that's the only thing that competes with me on that level. It doesn't, but man puts it there, right? Nothing competes with God, amen? You get that, right? And so he knew that we would wrestle with resources. And mammon is the, is the word uh, for the Syrian God, back in the day, the Syrian God of riches. So he says, you can't serve God and riches. So he says, you're either going to love the one or hate the other. No, I, I love you, God. Really, well, where, who are you honoring first? So God would say, I know you say that you love me, but let me look at your checkbook. I mean, I guess he's looking to see where it goes, and that's, he's saying, what's first? What's first in your life? I mean, you can say it all day long, but are you returning that portion back into me that he said it's set aside and holy? So tithe is a Hebrew word that means 10th part or 10%. Tithe is a Hebrew word that means 10th part or 10%. I believe he chose a percentage because it's fair to everyone. So we don't say, well, they make more money than I do because so they can do that and when I make money. He's like, it's equal. It doesn't matter if you make $500, $5,000, $500,000. It's equal. It's still a percentage. And God looks at that. He doesn't look at the amount. He looks at the, the percentage or your ability. And he says that this is what I want. I want you to respond this way. So a percentage makes it fair for everyone. It's a still a penny on every dime no matter how much you make. And I believe he chose 10 because in the Bible, many times you see the number 10 represents testing. Many times in the Bible, you see the number 10, it represents testing. So a percentage makes it fair, and the number 10 in the Bible represents testing. Let me, let's, say, let's take a look real quick. How many plagues, answer this for me, how many plagues were there in Egypt testing Pharaoh's heart? 10, 10 plagues, right? We all saw the movie, right? 10 plagues testing Pharaoh's heart. How many commandments were given to God's people in the wilderness to test their obedience? 10, the 10 commandments. How many, and you may not know some of these, but hopefully you'll pick up the pattern real quick, right? How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? 10. How many days was Daniel tested? Right, the Daniel fast, 10 days of fasting. How many virgins were tested in Matthew? 10. How many uh, days of testing were mentioned in Revelation? How many tribes of Israel were there? Ah, I heard some tens, but 12, that's a testing you right there. 12 tribes of Israel. Who's been teaching you? <laughs> 12 tribes of Israel. That's just kind of a little funny side note there. But all throughout scripture, you see the 10 lepers. How many lepers were tested when healed? 10. Only one came back to thank Jesus. How many, uh, you know, things all throughout the scripture, 10 is testing. 10 is the number of testing. So percentage to make it fair for everybody. And 10 is the number of testing in the Bible. It's a test. It's a test for our heart. Thank God. Because sometimes we think we're better off than we are. We're doing things a certain way and it's not correct. We need to make a course adjustment. So tithing is a test, but it's a two-way test. It's you testing your heart and it's you testing God. Not only is it a test for you, but it's a place, the only place in scripture, God says, you can test me. God says, test me. And, And the translation would be try me or prove me. And it comes from the way you test metal. It literally means, it's translated, how you test metal, how you would test the purity of a metal, or how you test the purity of gold. Or therefore, God says, test the purity of my word. Test the purity of my commitment to you. He's saying, test me. Test the purity of who I am by returning that test. So it's not just a test for you, it's for you to test God. God says, test me, because I I want to open the window of heaven and bless you. I want to rebuke the devourer for you, but it depends if you're going to thank me, honor me, acknowledge me, worship me first, and walk in faith. It depends if you're going to believe the 90% with the blessing of God will go farther than 100% without it, and you need 
to test it. So here's what I, here's what I hear. Here's just some of the things, the debris that I think gets thrown in our wells. I hear things like this. Well, that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament teaching. And I hear this, things thrown in our well. That's under the law. Tithing was, and let me tell you this, tithing was way before the law was created. I mean, if we had a chance to do the series on it, tithing, you can go all the way back to 2,500 years before the law in Cain and Abel, and you can see their offerings to God, the first fruit. You can see that. You can see it in many passages of scripture, but understand that tithing was before the law, during the law, after the law, in the New Testament. It's an ordinary principle of behavior for God's people. So people would say that it's under the law and I'm under grace because of what Jesus said. But there are principles from then that we should still walk in and there are even principles under the law that we should still walk in. And let me clarify that. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. The law showed us that we in our own strength and ability did not have in our own strength the ability to fulfill the law. So Jesus came and he gave us his ability through grace to walk beyond the, beyond the law, to go beyond the law. Uh, let, me, let me say it this way. The law says, thou shalt not kill. That's under the law. Do you think that's still a good idea today? I hope that you do. If not, we'll put one of our security next to you. Do you think when the law says, thou shalt not commit adultery, that that's still something we should not do? But grace, do you think thou shalt not steal? That you can steal as a Christian just because you're saying, hey, oh, uh, hey, I'm under grace, you can't arrest me, you can't, you know. So give that weed eater that you borrowed from your neighbor back, right? I'm not gonna give it back, I'm a Christian, I'm under grace, right? So it's like, it's that principle. Don't keep it from him, it's his. So there's things that we still see that are good ideas. And here's the thing, when it says thou shalt not kill, and we're talking about grace and Jesus fulfilling law, Jesus then says, because of my ability in you, don't even hate your brother. Take it an extra notch. And Jesus says, when he says don't commit adultery, he says, because of my ability in you and the grace that I've given you, don't even look on a woman lustfully. So grace gives us the ability to take it beyond the law because of the empowerment of Jesus, amen? So it's not under the law, but if it was, it doesn't mean that it's okay now because it wasn't back back then, but it's okay now. It doesn't mean that. Because it was wrong under the law doesn't mean it's right under grace. So number two, tithing is biblical. Tithing is biblical. And I know some people just, you hear about it, you haven't really studied it out for yourself. and, And again, we see it taught differently and there's abuse of it as there always is something good. There's always some abuse or counterfeit to it. The enemy makes sure, but... It doesn't mean you're rebellious if you don't do it. It doesn't mean you're a bad person or anything like that. But you need to know it's biblical. Genesis 14. Let me give you that uh, 18, starting verse 18. Then Melchizedek, hold on to that name, Melchizedek, king of Salem. And now Melchizedek means king of righteousness. So listen to him. He's the king of righteousness and king of Salem, which means peace. Then Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of peace, brought out bread and wine. Here we see kind of a, a type and shadow of the Lord's table. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, he blessed Abraham, said, blessed be Abram or Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And he, and he blessed, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into his hand. And he gave them, listen, Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe or a tenth of all. A tithe or a tenth of all. So this right here, 
Abraham, who is our spiritual father, the Bible describes him as our spiritual father, gave Melchizedek, who scholars believe, and I'll show that in just a moment, who scholars believe he's a type and shadow of Jesus because he's the king of righteousness and the king of, of peace. Our spiritual father, Abraham, gave a tithe of all to the type of Jesus. So that's 500 years before the law right there. 500 years before the law. In fact, take a look at Hebrews 7, 1 through 3. I'll just explain it a little bit more this way. For this Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of Salem, or king of priests, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, Without father, listen to this, Melchizedek, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the son of God, remains a priest continually. Does that not describe Jesus? So our spiritual father gave a tithe of all to Jesus? Yeah, that's what it's talking about right there. And that's 500 years before the law. Genesis 28, 22, this is Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, the house of the Lord, God's house, the storehouse, the church. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Everything you give me, Lord, I will give a tenth back to you, back to your house. This is Jacob. This is 400 years before the law. Leviticus 27. Let's take a look there real quick. Verse 30. And all the tithe, all the tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Everything is the Lord's. The tithe, the 10%, it is holy to the Lord. God sees he owns everything, and he has an expectation for 10% to be set apart. It is holy. Holy means set apart. It is the Lord's. It's his. So don't keep what's his. Now you can go back to Malachi 3 and see why he says what he says. Is because it's all his, and he sets apart 10% for himself, and we end up keeping it. And that's what we have to understand what he's talking about here. It belongs to him. He set it apart for himself. That's what holy means. Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 2 says this, and it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it. That you shall take some of the first, first is a tithe, first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord God is giving you, and put it in a basket, and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide, which is another phrase for church. He's talking about describing a church, the storehouse, the house of the Lord, where God chooses to make his name abide. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I've removed the holy tithe from my house and have given it to them, the Levite and the stranger. I just jumped ahead in Deuteronomy for you. I have removed, listen, I've removed the tithe, holy tithe, set apart tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite stranger, the fatherless and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments. I follow the principle of ordinary behavior and I have not forgotten about it. I have not eaten any of it, still talking about the tithe that's wholly set apart. I've not used any of that when I was in need. I didn't use any of it, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use. I didn't allow that 10% just might be, if I don't return that 10% to him, I might use it on things that are not godly or not pleasing to him, nor given any of it to the dead. 
I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you've commanded, your principle of ordinary behavior, and set apart that 10% that's yours. And yeah, let's go, let's go ahead and verse 15, I'll explain it in a second. Look down, therefore, look down. I've removed from my house the tithe, the 10%, that's holy, that you set apart for you. I didn't use it when things were bad or tough. I didn't use it for wrong things. I set it apart. I remembered your ordinance of, or, your principle of ordinary behavior, and I brought it to your house. That's what it's saying. I removed it from my house to your house. I didn't forget your principle of ordinary behavior. And here's what he says in verse 15. So therefore, God, because I removed it from my house to your house, Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people, bless your family, bless my home, bless my marriage, bless my children, bless my possessions, and the land which you have given me, just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. I took the tithe from my house, the 10% that you said set apart, that's holy, yours, reserved for you, and I didn't use it when things were tough. I still trusted you. I didn't use it on wrong things. I still put you first place. You're a principle of ordinary behavior, and I brought it to your house. Then you can pray this prayer. So God, look down from heaven upon me, and bless my family as you said you would. Open the window of heaven, rebuke the devour, for my sake. We want to pray that prayer without without what it says to do first. Come on. Now we cry out in that prayer and God's just saying, man, I hear your prayer, but there's a principle of ordinary behavior that would just let that stuff flow. Then you can pray that prayer. I love that. Now you can pray that. So let's take a look at what Jesus said. I get it. That's all Old Testament. I get it. A New Testament reference back to Old Testament. In Hebrews, Melchizedek. But take a look at what Jesus says in the New Testament. I mean, if it's in the New Testament, because you know what, really, Malachi 3, 10 is right at the end of the Old Testament. It's like 15 verses, and then we're in the New. So couldn't you have just waited 15 verses? Because <laughs> people want to argue that. And you know what God would say? I put it exactly where I wanted it because I'm testing people. It's a test. Put in the Old Testament to test them. It's a principle of ordinary behavior. But people will say it's not in the New, so what Jesus... What would Jesus say in the new, right? Well, if it was in the new, what if it's in red? Would you do it if it's in red? <laughs> right, it's, like, it's in red, it's, yeah, we're doing it, right? Uh, the one who gave everything for us, Jesus, said you ought to tithe. Take a look at Matthew 23, 23, speaking to religious leaders. Here's what he says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay the tithe, or 10% of mint, anise, and cumin. He says you pay the tithe even on the spices, that you're gonna put in your food. But you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. You've neglected justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. He says, listen, I'm glad you're paying a tithe even on everything down to the spices that you put on your food, but you still need to follow justice, mercy, and faith. Now, some people would say they'd flip that. It's a different perspective. When he says, don't leave these undone, he's saying, follow justice, mercy, and faith. But don't forget about the tithe. Don't leave the tithe undone. Still keep doing that. And some people will flip it, meaning it's, no, it's the other way. I believe it's the other way, pastor. It's talking about, don't forget to do these. So however your perspective is on that scripture, on the wording of it, it still covers it either way. Either do the tithe and don't forget these things, or do these things and don't forget the tithe. Either way, Jesus says. Basically what Jesus is saying is, 
Man, don't forget to follow the principle of ordinary behavior that God established for his people. Let's take a look at uh, Hebrews 7, 8. Going back to the Melchizedek. Melchizedek as Jesus. Type and shadow, a picture of Jesus. Here's what he says. Just a few scriptures past what we already read about Melchizedek. It says, here mortal men receive tithes. Because we'll pass it here. You'll get, you'll get the bucket. You'll, there's boxes out there. Uh, my wife and I, we do it on the app. Uh, you can go online, the drop-down menu. You can do auto-draft or however people do all that. And I'm, I'm in for all that. Here mortal men receive tithes and manage it. But there, let's talk about Melchizedek. Type and shadow of Jesus. So he's saying, but there... In heaven, Jesus receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. So think about that. However you give your tithe, you're not giving it as a business transaction to the church or whatever mode or mean it is. You're really giving it to Jesus. He's telling us that you should give this to Jesus. And can I tell you, every time that my wife and I do that, that's how I, I don't know, that's kind of silly or whatever. That's how I see it. I'm not giving it to the church. I'm not giving it to an organization. This is the entity by which he wants that to flow through. I'm giving it to Jesus. Jesus, here's my 10% that you said. I'm taking it from my house to your house and I'm giving it to you. Even if you're clicking on the internet, every time you do it, man, enter. I just gave that to you, Jesus. That makes me, if nothing else, that makes me want to give a tithe. I want to give it to Jesus. Let me give you the last one, three. Tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. There's a story in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 31. I love it. King Hezekiah. The children of Israel are going through one of the worst economic times they've ever been in, a real recession, depression. King Hezekiah then doesn't know what to do, so he's reading through scrolls, scriptures, he's reading those writings. And he reads a portion about tithing. And it's at a time that they're in the worst economic way they've been in a long time. And he realizes that the whole nation is under a curse because they weren't tithing. They position themselves there. So let's pick up the story in 2 Chronicles 31, 4. It says this, moreover, he commanded, King Hezekiah, the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and to the house of the Lord and to the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Now, let me stop for a second and explain that. Remember over in Malachi where it said, bring the tithe into the storehouse? This is the same principle. It's what he's talking about here. They brought it into, into the temple to help, help fund what God is doing there, if you will. It provided natural food. Remember in Malachi it said, so there might be food in my house. They're talking about natural food, but today it's spiritual food. I hope when you come to church, wherever you go to church, I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you're blessed. I hope you feel better when you leave than how you came in. I hope it's it's a time of worship. I hope it ministers you. I hope it lifts a burden. I hope it speaks to you. I hope it encourages you. But know this, that spiritual food, someone's paying for it. And, And I'm not trying to be like, who look at this or whatever, and I don't know how to say this and sugarcoat it, I don't want to. I want the truth to be the truth and land how it lands. But listen, someone's paying for it. Someone's paying for this building. Someone's paying for this property. Someone's paying for these utilities. That we get to do all the things that we get to have 4,000 people out at Fall Fest. Someone's paying for that. Someone's paying for the staff. Someone's paying for youth ministry. Someone's paying for children's ministry. Someone's paying for us to have special needs ministry coming up. Someone's paying for groups. Someone's paying for outreach. Someone's paying for missions around the world. Someone's paying for men's ministry, women's ministry, teaching ministry, counseling ministry, discipleship ministry, Mary's ministry, and much, much more on, 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 on. The reality is someone's paying for that. And we're all benefiting from it. That's our spiritual food. That's the spiritual food that provides for you and I, but for so many others that have not come to the house of the Lord yet or known Jesus yet, all over the world. That's how it works. God's plan was for his church 
to do all that that we just mentioned and more, and his plan was for the tithe to fund it. That was his plan. That's why he says it the way he says it. But here's the thing about God. Not only do you come and benefit from this and hopefully return your tithe back to him and help fund that, not only that, then he says, on top of that, I'm going to bless you by opening the windows of, you're going to come and be blessed, and then you're going to leave and be blessed. I'm going to take care of you in here, and I'm going to take care of you out there. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. God set up a win-win for you and I. And so we get to benefit from it, and then benefit, and, and we get to benefit from providing food for his house. So we all benefit from it, all of us. So I all need to be responsible for it. All of us. But listen, no matter, and let me say this. Well, you know what? I don't agree with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to some other church. It's the same there. I hope you come back. I want you to. I, I get a little nervous teaching these things. It's the truth of God's word because I know it's just going to land on people that are just like, I'm done. I, and that's okay. I'm not going to not do it for the sake of that. You go to another church, it's the same thing. You can't get away from it. It's a principle of ordinary behavior for God's people. And he moves and works through his church on the earth. It's a win-win no matter where you go. So I want you to, I want you to hear my heart, listen to my heart. I, I don't preach on tithing because the church is hurting. I don't. The church doesn't need money today, so I got a trustee meeting tomorrow night. I wanted to boost the budget a little bit. No, that's... Right, I, that's that's not it. That's, I would never violate the I would never violate the pulpit, the podium that way. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. I, I couldn't do that. I would I couldn't do that. I wouldn't do it. But this is for you. This is for you. It is for you and your family. This will change your life. This will change your family. This will change your marriage. This will change your finances. This will change your children. This will change your grandchildren. This will change your great-grandchildren. And online, if you will redig or dig a well today in this principle of ordinary behavior, you'll not only set yourself up, but your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids will drink from the well of pure water that God has for you. It's the truth. It's the truth. Uh, let me finish this passage out. Second Chronicles Verse five, as soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything, the 10%. And the children of Israel and Judah who dwelt in cities of Judah brought the tithe, 10% of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God and laid in heaps, I love that word heaps, in the third month, which is a harvest month. In the third month, they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month, which is the harvest month. And when Hezekiah the king and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people of Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests and Levites concerning the heaps. It was like, we're going to do this. We're going to get into God's principles of ordinary behavior. We're all going to do that. And all of a sudden, after several months, he came to check on everything. And now he's looking at the house of the Lord, and he's seeing all these heaps, and he pulls the, the chief priest aside, and he says, that's a lot of stuff right there. And the chief priest is like, yeah. And he says basically this, is everybody okay? <laughs> I didn't tell them to give everything they had. They were just responsible to give the 10%. They, they can keep the 90. Did they bring everything here? Look at all this. Are they starving? Are they going without because of it? Are they, are, did they give everything and leave nothing for themselves? And, and look what it says then. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, King, 
Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is his great abundance. He said, if you think the 10%, if you think the 10% is a lot, you should go out where the people are and see the 90. You want to talk about heaps, God has provided because he blesses his principle of ordinary behavior for his people. So what the scripture says right there. So, you know, in the 27 years I've been in ministry, let me wrap this up. There's a couple of things I hear. One from tithers. I hear from tithers. I hear, I've always heard this. We are so blessed. In fact, between services, a gentleman stopped me today and said that he, he always believed in it. His wife wasn't on the same page and they just decided they're going to do it. And he said, ever since then, every, every time it comes by, his wife looks at him and says, we're tithers. And he says, we've been so blessed. All I hear is we're so blessed. Everything changed when we began to consistently tithe. I've never heard a tither say, worst decision of my life. It just ruined us. Everything fell apart. I've never heard somebody say this. Now, here's what I say from non-tithers. I can't afford to tithe. And I would say to you, you'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because it's the tithe that breaks the curse and rebukes the devourer. It's the tide that breaks the curse and rebukes the devourer. I want to I close with these two thoughts. I, I heard this and it touched me so much. I want to share it with you. Um, I hope it lands on you the way it lands on me. I just pray that it'll come out the right way. <clears throat> Tithing may be more personal to Jesus than you thought. Because when they talk about they talk about the, the tithe coming into the house of the Lord, the, the storehouse. In other words, bring the tithe into the church. And if you think about it, what is the word that Jesus uses to describe his church? It's his bride. Maybe it's more personal to Jesus because he sees it as the way that we take care of his bride. I know if I was gone and went away and I charged a, group, a bunch of people, a group of people to take care of my bride and I gave them resources to do it, I'd want them to take good care of her. And maybe the tithe is a little bit more personal to God than we realize. Because the Bible talks about Jesus being his first fruit, his firstborn. And that God so loved the world that he gave his, the Bible says that he's the firstborn of all men, of all creation. So that you and I could be redeemed. His son had to be given as a tithe, as a sacrifice to redeem you and I the rest. Maybe it's more personal to God than we think because he gave his tithe as his son. Just something to think about. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.